I'm Kurt Benkert, and this is Pocket Presence, powered by Sleeper. Happy Thursday, Pocket Presence gang. Week 13, underway tonight. We got the Seahawks and the Cowboys. We have we have a lot, a lot, a lot of playoff implications going on now with seeding and who might make it, who might not, and this game is no different. Cowboys 8-3 and three right now have a home game against the Seahawks. They're winning by an average of 29 points, I believe, I saw on Twitter, in all of their home games this year. And right now the Seahawks are on a three out of four game skid. They have lost one, lost, lost. And really the, the straw that broke the camel's back to me was the Rams game they lost a few weeks ago on a field goal that they just mismanaged at the end of the game. And it gets no easier for the Seahawks moving forward. They have a three game gauntlet. Right now, sitting at 6-5, and five, could very well be 6-8 and eight after this stretch. They have Cowboys, 49ers, and Eagles back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. I don't know if I see a path for them to make the playoffs. They have to win one of these next three, which is a tall task, obviously. And I just don't see them getting it done. I don't think they have the team for it. But we'll find out. You flip the script over to the Cowboys, 8-3. and three, Dak Prescott playing at an MVP-type level. It's going to be really telling for them over the next few weeks of what can they do. What does he mean to this team? in these really critical games. This game against the Seahawks, in my opinion, should be pretty much of a cakewalk. Seahawks are okay, but they shouldn't be in the Cowboys league. But then they got the Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, then the Lions in a four-game stretch, and we're going to find out who the Dallas Cowboys are. And we're going to find out who Dak Prescott is against good teams. And I'm excited for it, man. December football is coming up. There's nothing better than football in December. Maybe football in January and February, yes. But December football, all teams are at play. Everyone's trying to make a push. And I can't wait to see it. And as far as last week's games go, we ended up having some good games, but the implications in the playoff race weren't as big across the board. There were some bad teams playing bad teams, some good teams playing good teams. But overall, last week was a little more of a snooze fest than I would have liked. But this week, this week is huge. We have so many different games that are with playoff implications now, like the Falcons. They're five and six. And I know they're playing the Jets, but the Falcons are five and six. The Saints are five and six. And both of those teams are fighting for that NFC South top divisional spot. I think it's going to go to the Falcons. I think that the Falcons are going to win a lot of their games coming up. Weirdly enough, they're five and six right now, but their schedule super, super favorable towards the end of the year. They have the Jets, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Colts. I think the Colts will be a tough game. The Bears could be a tough game. And then they have the Saints. Like all of those games are very winnable. They have six in that slate. Probably going to go three and three, four and two, but they could go six and no. You never know. Like teams get hot at the right time. And the Falcons are one of those teams that have a weird way of playing football. Arthur Smith likes to run the ball in weird ways and it works. And it's a weird matchup for most teams. And then you got the Saints on the other side of that where their cars just kind of been throwing the bag recently. And they got a tough challenge against the Lions this week. Home game, but. I don't know, man. I'm not sold on Derek Carr. If I was the Lions, I would be a little more concerned if Jameis Winston was playing because you don't know what can happen. But with Derek Carr, you kind of know what's going to happen. You're going to get in the red zone. It's going to be tough. And they're going to need Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara to bring them over the hurdle. But I look for the Lions to bounce back. I think Saints take an L and the Falcons roll against the Jets, mixing up some playoff seeding there. And you look at another team, different South, AFC South, the Colts. Weirdly enough, the Colts have lost a lot of players. And again, they lose Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss back in lineup. Shout out to that waiver wire claim that your boy picked up. All hopes 
were lost in that three-game skit that they had against the Jaguars, the Browns, and the Saints, losing some really tight games. But now, Gardner Minshew and the Fighting Colts, three-game win streak, all against bad teams. But what do you know? They have a two-game stretch again against two other bad teams. The Titans, who aren't playing their best football, and the Bengals without Joe Burrow. Some way, somehow, the Indianapolis Colts are finding their way into this playoff hunt, and their schedule looks not bad over the next six weeks. Titans, Bengals, Steelers, you don't really know what you're going to get there. They have the Falcons, which that's going to be a tough game. And they have the Raiders. Colts should probably win that. And then they have the Texans. Going 3-3 three and three in their last six is not out of question. 4-2, and two, it's possible. But at 6-5 and five right now, they're in a solid spot to find their way into the playoffs. And could Minshew Mania, the Minshew Magic Man, bring some juice on a wild card run? I kind of think so. I like it. It'll be fun to watch. And like some of these teams that just are scrappy, man. I, I look at the Colts. They're a scrappy team. I look at the Rams. The Rams are a scrappy team. There's just a lot of scrappiness going on in the NFL right now. This season's just, it's been a blast to watch because you don't know. Like power rankings are changing every week. Quarterback plays, one's top 10, one's top 20. Like there's been a lot of up and down for all these teams and the Colts are one of them. But I just had a question come in. Do we see the Colts get to 10 wins this year? That would mean that they would have to win four of their next two. And it's gonna be it's gonna be close. I think they beat the Titans. I think they beat the Bengals. I think they beat the Steelers. Like I want to say they beat the Steelers. I think they do, but that's gonna be a tough game. It is at home. That matters. And then we got Falcons, Raiders, Texans. I think they win three. I don't think they win four. But hey, Minshew's proved a lot of people wrong. He's got them playing well, and they have a stable of running backs ready to run up and down the field. Anything can happen in Indianapolis. There's a lot of craziness in this slate. And it feels like more so than anything, one game this week affects the next game next week and the week after. And there's a lot of just teams have to go on runs right now. And some of the teams that are hot right now need to stay hot or they're going to be out of the playoff picture. And you look at the Packers. Packers, Sunday night football. They're five and six right now playing against eight and three Chiefs. I don't think that the Chiefs have been playing great football. They're 8-3. and three. They're finding ways to win. But last week, they went down 14 early against the Raiders, who have been pretty bad. And Mahomes was able to fight their way out of it, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against the Packers. If they get down on the Packers, I could see that being a very controlling game in Lambeau. Expecting snow, a little snow globe game, would be sick on December 3rd. But the Packers are trending in the right direction, and their schedule looks super favorable towards the end of the year. Again, they're a 5-6 and six team. They're on a two-game win streak. And this one is huge. This one is big because they don't need this game to make the playoffs. But if they win this game, that puts them in the position to, look, we could probably win every single game on our schedule moving forward if you're the Packers. I think there's a chance. Right now, the spread says that the Chiefs are favored by 6.5, I believe, to win this game. I don't think they win by six and a half, not in Lambeau, not with how the Packers have been playing football. But look at the Packers' schedule the rest of the year. Outside of this game, right now they're five and six. Say they lose this game to the Chiefs, go five and seven. They have the Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Vikings who are struggling now, and the Bears who are the Bears in their next five games out of this six. They could very easily run that table, and they also could very easily just go four and two and coast. They could go four and two, end up nine and eight, 
and coast into a wild card spot with how bad the NFC has been. And that's a sneaky wild card team. Like that's a team that could just show up and pop off on you real quick. And I don't know if that's a team that people really want to play in the wild card because they play, they, they do have good players and they're just, it's taken them a little bit of time to figure it out. So big game on Sunday, Packers chiefs, Mahomes started to pick up, pick up some fire this week. Pacheco was running well. Key to victory for the Chiefs, though, getting Pacheco involved in every aspect of this game. They need to use Pacheco like Swift with the Eagles, where he's involved in the passing game, poor in the running game. He's getting his check downs like long to short. Getting the ball in his hands in space has been a good thing, and they had to do it against the Raiders, and their offense looked great. Pacheco had five receptions for 34 yards receiving, and up until that point over the last four weeks, He's had one, zero, and three receptions. They had a bye. And they've kind of struggled offensively. They have not looked that good. So it'll be interesting to see Andy Reid. I know he's going to have something cooked up. You know, one more thing about Green Bay, too, and Lambeau Field, especially with how this season has gone, I feel like the fans, the team, players, coaches, everybody, they've been, like, waiting for something to give. And last week, Thanksgiving against the Lions, it felt like something gave. And it was the first time that I saw all year long that the coaches, players, staff, fans, everybody was all on the same page and could see the light at the end of the tunnel. On what has been a long year, the Packers are not used to losing games consistently. And now they're five and six. They got another juggernaut coming through. It's in Lambeau. It's a night game. It is going to be so loud. And the best part is, is this is a game that the Packers are like not expected to win. So the expectations are there. Are, well, the expectations are not there. There's really not an immense amount of pressure to go out and win that game. They, it'll help their playoff run, but it's not needed. I think you're going to see from the players and the coaches and everybody in between another just cut it loose type of game. We have nothing to lose. And I think you're going to feel that from the fans too. I think you're going to be lenient with bad plays. I think you're going to get even more hype with good plays. And I think that this is going to be maybe one of the first times that we see this year that Lambeau is truly going to be a massive home field advantage for the Packers. And the Chiefs struggling offense, they've been struggling all year up until last week. And last week they popped off a little bit. But I look for the Chiefs offense to have a tough time against this defense, hoping that the Packers get Jair Alexander back. And again, Anything can happen in Lambeau under the lights, and I cannot wait to see it. This is definitely one of the games that, if I was going to go and watch, I wish that I could be there in person because I think your guy Evan Siegel, team photographer, is going to get some sweet picks. Might get a little flurry, a little snow down. I just, this is one of those games that I'm so glad is on Sunday Night Football. What a crazy slate we have this week. And another game, obviously, we just have to talk about. We, of course, are going to talk about this. We have the Eagles and the 49ers. And between those two games, this might be some of the best ball we will see all year. The most iconic type of matchups. And this one is really tricky for the Eagles. They're coming off of a really close home win and a gritty performance. Field goal gets them in overtime, a very unlikely field goal, like 60 yards in the rain, just drills it through. And then the Bills drop the bag. And now you come back and you got to play the 49ers, who are rolling. The 49ers only have three losses this year, and all three came without Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. Those are the guys at the cornerstone of that offense outside of Christian McCaffrey, and they make everybody else's job a lot easier. And the Eagles, the Eagles this year kind of remind me of the Packers from 2021, where record is great, 
winning games by one score, finding ways to win games consistently and just stacking them. And you put your head down long enough, you look up, and oh my gosh, we're 10 and one. Sweet, we're rolling. But it just doesn't feel like they're dominating. And it doesn't feel like they're dominating teams that a 10 and one team should. But that is not to take away from the fact that they are finding ways to win games. So I look at this game and I think that this is a 49ers redemption game. They're favored to win by two and a half. I think that they win by two and a half, if not more. But the Eagles, too, this is really important to note. They're 10 and one right now. If they lose this game to the 49ers, they also have to travel to Dallas the very next week. And the Dallas Cowboys are winning their games at home by an average of 29 points. They have not really played many quality, quality opponents at home. So that 29 points is skewed. The Eagles Cowboys last time at Lincoln Financial came down to the wire and the Cowboys had a ton of opportunities in the red zone that they could not get the ball in on. On paper, game script wise, it looked like the Cowboys were going to find a way to squeak away a win and they didn't. But in true Eagles fashion, they held them out. They did what they needed to do to win the game and they moved on. But Keep into account the teams that have played the 49ers over the last two years, almost every single team has lost the following week after from that physical matchup hangover. And you have that stacked with the fact that the Cowboys are undefeated at home, absolutely dogging people, and that there was a close game with the Eagles-Cowboys last week. And one more nugget to that, the Cowboys are going to have an extra three days of rest leading up into that matchup against the Eagles. The Eagles are in the gauntlet right now, and they found a way to win a really close one against the Bills, but these next two are going to be a tall task. And if they can pull off one of them, I think it's huge. If they can pull off both, they are undisputed, grittiest team, best team in the NFL. And we're going to find out. It's going to take a lot from Jalen Hurts. I think what we saw with the Bills game and how that defense was able to get after Jalen Hurts for the first three quarters, you're going to see a lot of that from Nick Bosa, and Chase Young, and the rest of that nasty 49ers defensive line. But again, it's the Eagles, man. You never know what happens. Some way, somehow, they always find a way. It's going to be grab-your-popcorn game type of football. And for all of you that know our producer is a huge Eagles fan in the background, he sounds nervous, and it's only Thursday. And he just said, I don't know about all that, while giggling. And he knows. He knows what's coming. But it'll be a fun game to watch. I'll be texting him throughout. And I'm excited, man. These these types of matchups and these storylines, in my opinion, are what make the NFL so special because it's just not like which team's better, which team has the better quarterback. It's like, who have they played? At what point in the year? Who's injured? What's the matchup next week? How does this have playoff implications? Like the story of the NFL season is being written right here, right now, of this 2023-24 season. And that's something that Aaron Rodgers used to always say. Like, the most special part about the NFL is that. This team is this team. This year's team is this year's team, and it will never be the same. That group of guys will never, ever be the same in the locker room. And it changes week to week, but that year specifically, and it's very fleeting. Like you may have one of the best years of all time, and you just fall short. And then next year, you have like 80% of your guys, and 20% of those guys are gone, and you'll never be there with those guys again. And as you go through these trials and tribulations of the year, the close wins, the losses, everything in between, like it does build a really cool bond. And it's like, and it's coming down to the wire. And some of these teams only have a couple more games left to play with each other. And they're trying to make it work, trying to scrap it out. But that's, that's my favorite part about the NFL is every year is so specific to that year. And dynasties 
they happen. It looks like we're in the middle of like an Eagles dynasty, a Chiefs dynasty, 49ers dynasty. Even so, every year each team is different. And last year, the stories were different than they are this year. And I just love it. It's a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to break down. And I'm fortunate to be able to do it on this side of it. All right. Now that we've set the stage for what this week looks like, we all know the storylines. We've talked about it over and over and over again. I want to get to my favorite part, the DFS picks, man. This one is a weird one. Thursday night. Just a reminder, if you've never played DFS and you want to get into it, you can use code KURT on Sleeper to get your first-time deposit matched up to your first $100. And they got some goodies coming along, man. We got some some favorable lines, it looks like, in a game that I think is going to be pass-heavy. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of running the ball. Maybe by Dallas late. The way that I like to go about this is I like to create game scripts. How do I think games are going to play out? And then start plugging in the players that fill the script for me. So... I'm going to say that the Dallas Cowboys win by like 14. I think it's going to be maybe like a 28, 31 to 13 to 17 type of game. So I don't think it's going to be low scoring, but I think it's going to be pretty much a handed landslide for the Dallas Cowboys. And with that, I think Dak Prescott's going to have to throw two touchdowns. So I'm going to go look at this and I'm going to say Dak Prescott passing touchdowns 1.5, take the over. And it looks like most people believe that's going to happen anyways because the multiplier is so low. For me right now, it's set at 1.36. But then I like to go back and I like to look, what has he done in the last five weeks? Good sample size, recency bias. He has thrown four touchdowns, three touchdowns, four touchdowns, two touchdowns, four touchdowns. And he's rolling. And some of those have been against solid teams. Eagles, I'm looking at you. Eagles, I'm only looking at you because he's played against the Rams, Giants, Panthers, and Commanders. So... With that being said, I think that throwing two against the Seahawks is should be a lock, but the NFL, you never know. And what is it going to take for him to throw two? This is where I move to the next spot. I think that CeeDee Lamb is going to have to get his targets. I look at CeeDee Lamb in games that really, really matter, that are close games and are competitive. And what does that look like? The Rams, he had 12 receptions. The Eagles, he had 11 receptions. And the Giants, he had 11 receptions. The last two weeks, they played the Panthers and the Commanders, and CeeDee Lamb didn't even play in the fourth quarter. So he didn't see any targets. He didn't really see the ball. And that has moved his line down to six and a half, which I think is a steal if the Cowboys have to play ball in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to take CeeDee Lamb's receptions at six and a half. I'm going to take the over. Looks like the public thinks he's going to hit the over because the multiplier set at 1.71. Again, as long as the Cowboys offense has to play all four quarters of ball, which I think it's going to happen. I think that they should. Seattle's not terrible. That's what we're hoping on. Does CeeDee Lamb get his targets? I'm going to take it. I think it's probable to happen. I tell you, I would not take the other side. Then you move on, and what does the game script tell you? Okay, so the Cowboys are going to be winning. The Seahawks are going to be playing from behind. Oh, Geno Smith's probably going to have to throw the ball. What has Geno Smith done throwing the ball in the last few weeks completion-wise? He's had 18 against a stout San Francisco 49ers defense coming off of an injury, and it was a shorter week for him. Okay. Now we have the two weeks prior. The Rams, he had 22. Commanders, he had 31. Line set at 21.5. I think in this game, he's going to have to throw the ball, and so does the public. Multiplier set at 1.72. I like him for this script. A lot. And then another guy that I like to look at, Dak Prescott, I think he's going to throw the ball all around the field. I think that 
Also, keeping in mind that McCarthy, offensive coordinator, he cares about appearances, and he wants to put up points. He recently took over the job calling plays once Kellen Moore left, and it's been a vendetta to put up points, put up yards, and have one of the most inflated offenses this year, even when they don't need it. They're just running up the score. I think that Dak Prescott's receivers are going to get their burn. So I'm looking at you, Brandon Cooks. In the last three weeks, he's had 72, 42, and 173 yards receiving. I'm going to take Brandon Cooks to have over 41 yards receiving this week. 1.79 multiplier. I like it. Right now, we have four legs set. Now, again, game script-wise, pass-happy game. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Who's another guy that I think needs his burn? Ferguson. His line is set at 34.5 receiving yards. I think he's going to get it. In the past three weeks, he's had 35, 32, and 26, keeping in mind that they have not played in the fourth quarter much. Prior to that, he had 91 against the Eagles, 47 against the Rams. In this last five-game stretch, he has not seen as many targets, but even last week, it took one target to hit. I think this is the week they're going to be playing in the fourth quarter. I don't think that the Seahawks are just going to let everyone have a 100-yard receiving game. I think Ferguson's going to get his. I like it. And again, I will probably go through and make a few different storylines and start filling in the pieces, but that's one that I really, really like. And then last but not least, another guy that's been trending, Jackson Smith. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm not going to try. I like what he's been doing receiving yards-wise in the last four weeks, 63, 53, 40, and 41. I think they're going to be playing from behind like I talked about, and I think that he's going to get more involved as DK Metcalf gets doubled, gets a little extra help, and they're going to need him to get his yards. 41 yards, I'm going to take the over. And right now we're sitting at six legs, 22x multiplier, and I'm going to throw down a 50-piece nugget on it. I like it. $50 would pay 20 2x, which is $50 would pay $1,102.50. I like it. I'm submitting the entry. And that's how I build my same game entries. Another quick nugget for you guys before we go. Fantasy football race is heating up and something came across my desk this morning that I needed to, I felt like I needed to share with everyone. It's becoming really evident in a lot of these leagues that points are mattering. Some people are having that six playoff slot. Um, being determined by the most points scored by a team not in the top five. One of my leagues is like that. I will let you know that I've gone so petty as to scoop up players on waivers that I have no plan of starting. And I'm talking about kickers and defenses that I know other teams are looking to swap out to grab those extra four or five points a week. And if you're in such a tight race right now for those last spots and points are mattering in playoff seating, I just want to throw it out there for you that it is a really good strategy to start gatekeeping kickers, defenses, and even sub-in quarterbacks for guys that have absolutely decimated teams. Some buys are coming up. So don't be afraid to drop guys that will never see the field for you where you know other teams wouldn't be using them in their lineup, but grab those week-to-week switch-around guys, the kickers, the defenses, maybe even some tight ends, and just gatekeep your way to the playoffs. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and I have an effing a-hole being told in my ear right now from the producer because he realizes how brilliant of a strategy it is. And it's it's working. I saw a few other waiver claims go in for guys that wanted the same as me. 
I've been using my free agent budget on guys that will never see the field for me because I'm selling out to win a championship. So I hope you do too. I hope it helps. I appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode of Pocket Presence. We got more good stuff to come. Word on the street is we're going to start having guests. Word on the street is we have more quarterback breakdowns on the way. Find out more next week. Until next time, I'm your host. Thanks for watching or listening. See you next time.